last episode, I can't remember what happened and I can't be bothered to check. This episode, will Dave's party go to plan? Dave's 30th birthday was looming in the distance like a bright orange cloud, and Dave was determined to make a big affair out of it, as he liked to do with every single aspect of his life. Last year's party hadn't been the best. His few friends turned up at at 3 o'clock in the morning, because on the invitation Dave hadn't specified whether it was a.m. or p.m. Because they knew Dave quite well, they assumed that he would be monstrously inconvenient, as always. They had sat around for about four hours waiting, and then Dave had come into the living room in his pyjamas carrying a cup of tea and wasn't prepared, so the flamboyant party simply petered out. They just lulled about drinking Plonkapod Petrifier and chatting about random topics. It was now the holidays, so he had lots of time to prepare for it. He brought some huge pieces of paper from Simon Schnauzer's Simply Spended splendid stationery store mounting them on his wall with the last of his neon pins he spent days stuck in his room drawing long complicated plans on them with a chunky back marker using a protractor and compass and stroking an imaginary but not completely non-existent beard as he pondered over his birthday party plans after three days of intense planning Dave emerged from his room like a caterpillar from a cocoon, quite literally as his attire for the day was a butterfly costume, with a plan, a shopping list, a map and compass to make his way through the retail park on his hoverboard. He needed to visit all kinds of shops to supply the games, refreshments and entertainment that he would need for the profligate fling. But first, he needed to see if the critics approve. Dave sat Bob, Rob, Corn on the Cob and Bartholomew, the cacti that he owned, and Stuart, the pink thinker, on chairs, the plan on an artist's easel in front of them. Dave walked in front of it, yet wearing his bright orange suit and a pair of gold metallic sunglasses plus a yellow afro. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the conference discussing the pressing matter of my 30th birthday party. As he started to discuss the matter of the party games, hinting at the fact that he would need to make lots of pom-poms, Stuart dropped off. So, we will herd the guests over here like sheep, we could possibly hire a sheepdog, but I think that we will be okay, and then we will start the next game, Dave rambled, pointing his stick. The third oldest person will whack the fourth oldest with the rubber chicken, and then they will do five star jumps, while the sixth oldest puts on the llama costume, and the eleventh oldest gets on their back and raises a flag with a toaster on it. As Stuart woke up from a lovely dream about having dominance over Dave, he dropped off again. So, the pinhead pizzas will be in an Eiffel Tower formation, three-thirds of an inch away from the pastry pie, which will be three tiers, each nine and a fifth centimetres tall. And on top will be a small container of olives, just to make sure that the feng shui is good and flowing nicely. Some medics will be on hand to perform the Gorfelstumper manoeuvre, which is just the same as the Heimlich manoeuvre, and you say good morning to the patient when you finish. I invented this prestigious medical feat, might I add. There will be some turntables showing the ceramic cat cupcakes in all their glorious glory, explained Dave, pointing at a complicated and carefully drawn diagram of a buffet table with his stick, which was now, which was now snapped in half with all the pointing, as Stuart awoke with a start.
A few hours later, Dave finished explaining his overly and unnecessarily technical plan for his birthday party. Any questions? he asked. The cactus team stared at him blankly, as they always seemed to do, they were harsh critics, and Stuart had no comment, mainly because he had absolutely no idea what on earth was going on. Dave was surprised. Usually when he explained something, people had a seemingly endless avalanche of questions, and sometimes even rotten tomatoes. Great! I will get the supplies tomorrow morning! Dave sang, dancing out of the room with pointed toes and agonisingly perfectly arched arms. He could no longer t- contain his excitement and felt like he was explode. The next morning, Dave set out on his hoverboard, trundling through the quiet town. He pulled it, pulled into Rita Rich's ridiculously reasonable retail park and parked it in the biggest parking space he could find, which wasn't actually that big, so he took up two instead. Needs must. First, he popped into Priscilla Plunk's preposterously porpoise-themed party wear and plinky-plonky pianos, the alliteration is real, for some cups, plates and novelty potatoes with porpoises on, plus he hired a purple piano for the day of the party. Next, he shuffled into Fiona Fartifartson's fantastic food to buy some pastry, olives, potatoes, poppadoms, fish, crabs, raisins, lasagna suits, pufferfish, more potatoes, cat food, easter eggs that were on special offer, cake trifle, even more potatoes, a pineapple named Porter, and two and three quarter apples. There were also some pasta twists on special offer, so he bought those. After loading these numerous purposes laboriously onto the huge trailer he was that was attached to his hoverboard, Dave strolled into Phineas Flinnerton's flamboyant fancy dress. There were, he was one of Phineas's best customers, as he liked to wear fancy dress for casual wear, so popped in there every time he needed a new look. The cheery little overdoor bell rang as Dave opened the door, and Dave was immediately transported into another world. Easter bunny outfits in various sizes lined the back wall, as it was Easter in a few months or so, and Santa Claus ones from last year that were on special offer lay neatly folded on a shelf. There were fairy outfits, mermaid outfits, unicorn outfits, chicken outfits, two-person horse outfits, human outfits for dogs, dog outfits for humans, and sea and anemone mask that actually depicted snails. Hi, Dave, smiled Phineas from behind the impossibly small counter. We've got a special offer on shark outfits at the moment. I thought you'd like one. Great white, hammerhead. He was a kind man with red hair that he was constantly flicking out of his face. Thanks, but no. I'm after a llama costume and a sheep and a sheep mask, plus a turtle onesie, said Dave, marvelling at a salmon costume he would love to wear out to a fish and chip restaurant. No problem, said Phidias, vanishing into the back room. Then he came back with outfits neatly wrapped in bubble wrap. Do you want the turtle onesie in mid-green, grass-green or traffic-light green? he asked, holding up the onesie so Dave could see. Hmm. Grass green, please, decided Dave, after a lot of considering. Excellent choice, declared Phineas, even though he preferred mid-green. It was more turtleish. Afterwards, Dave went back to the porpoise-themed party wear shop and bought some porpoise bunting and a banner saying, 30th birthday party. I did it on porpoise. He also spent the last of his money on some party bags. Exhausted, Dave loaded the last item onto the sled boarding the hoverboard. It looked like a crazy hodgepodge of random objects as Dave careered slowly down the road. When he got home, Dave put all the miscellaneous items into the box that had previously been marked things for the most evil plan ever in the history of mankind, crossing out the red pen and writing party underneath. Tomorrow he would send the invitations. 
Next morning, Dave woke up and hurriedly put on a donut t-shirt, some green jeans and a life ring round his waist. Then, after breakfast, he took a bit of paper out of his hair and sat down at the desk, taking some pens out of a safe, as he liked to keep his pens completely secure so nobody could steal them, he started to write. Please come to my extravagant extravaganza at three seconds past 32 minutes past five o'clock a.m. We will not sit around drinking coffee. Oh no, there will be an entertainer who will entertain for three quarters of the party. Lots of food, medics performing the Gulfstumper maneuver on anyone who chokes on said food. Fun games, cake, wear bright colors, fancy dress is great. Price of admission. One present that has a minimum volume of 50 centimetres cubed. Don't miss it, said the invitations. After adding the word pineapple to his invitation a few, a few times, and drawing a picture of a toaster, as this was essential to any party invitation, Dave travelled down to the library on his scooter, where there was a photocopier. After about an hour or so of working out how the photo fo fo photocopier worked, much to the annoyance of the long angry queue behind him, Dave made a hundred copies of the invitation, then three more, then one more, just to be sure. He walked out with the sack in a big bag he had gently persuaded the postman to let him borrow by bombarding him with an avalanche of pom-poms. He also had a list of the people he needed to give the invitations to. He, an he handed some to people in the library, plus the librarian, and then posted some through the door of the houses in the street that look nice. Afterward, he scooted over to Barbara's house and put 19 through her door, one for each of her dogs and one for her. Walking down the path, he, saw he heard the sound of 18 enthusiastic dogs barks as the dogs took their invitations, mainly because they were having a great time chewing them. Next, he popped to Delmira's small flat and knocked on the door. She answered, looking radiant in an extravagant shower cap and an embroidered silk dressing gown, carrying a cup of black coffee. Hey, Dave, she said, slightly self-conscious that she was wearing her nightwear. Good evening, Delmira, said Dave, even though it was the morning. He liked to say good morning in the evening. Here's an invite to my party. Bring the weasel if you want. I can buy some special food. Noticing a magnificent weasel that was glaring at him from the his cage in the hallway as Dave was doing a handstand presenting the invitations with his feet. Thanks, said Delmira. Arbuthnot be nice to our guest. Dave presumed Arbuthnot was the weasel. What a lovely name for a weasel, exclaimed Dave as Delmira swept Arbuthnot into her arms. See you on Saturday then, said Dave, still upside down. Yes, at, she looked at the piece of paper, which was now rather stinky as Dave had had it in his feet. Three seconds past thirty-two minutes fast past five o'clock a.m. Bye, bye then, said Dave, handstanding walking out of the door. Dave put an invitation into his mother's letterbox, just to be polite, and one of his brother, and one in his brother Jeffrey's, even though he knew that he wouldn't come, because he spent half, he slept half the time, and spent the other half playing golf. Having no one to give the remaining invitations to, Dave stood in the middle of the street and threw them around in a snowstorm of paper. He shouted, Come to my party! There will be cake, pineapple, potatoes! After not being successful with throwing the invitations, Dave picked them up and put them in a nearby recycling bin. At least he was doing something good for the environment. When he got home, he collapsed in a heap on the sofa. 
for a week until the party. Dave was ecstatic, dancing Stuart in a foxtrot around the kitchen and whirling the cacti in their pots around the living room. He also went ee as he got dressed, jumping up and down with excitement as he put on his rainbow-coloured shirt. Finally, the day came. Dave woke up at six o'clock in the morning to prepare. He put on his best suit, a shiny orange jacket with a yellow sparkly shirt and a huge lime green bow the size of his head with his favourite pink afro retractable wig, a purple octopus hat precariously balanced on the top. He also wore a huge lime green earring in one ear and a pineapple in the other, an actual pineapple. He then decided that he needed to put a fish on top of his hat, so after a delicate operation involving a protractor and a pair of tweezers, he did so. He put up the banner next to the exit of the lift, setting up a machine that would fire tons of streamers and party poppers madly at anyone who entered. Then he draped the fences on the outside with bunting, putting a tablecloth over it. Dave moved the kitchen table beside the entrance and put a pink sign up saying present table. Then, after hearing the piano van outside, he he rushed outside. So, sir, you ordered a lilac piano for three hours, two minutes, is that correct? Murmured the delivery driver, who had put his cap on so low over his eyes that it was a wonder, wonder that he could see. Yes, that is correct. So, um, how are you going to get the piano to your heeples, looking at the balcony on top of the flat house? I've got pulley and winch system in the van, he mumbled. No need, yelled Dave, rolling the piano into the elevator, which he had painted orange, and sitting on it, smiling sweetly at the driver as the doors closed. On arriving at the top, he rolled it out again into an area he had marked with duct tape. It moved three centimetres to the left, then half an inch to the right. He kept doing this until it was perfect. Thank you, he yelled at the delivery driver from the roof, waving his arm enthusiastically. The driver simply stared at him. Next, he had to set up the buffet table. First, he put out the porpoise plates in a stack of cards formation at the side, arranging orange bowls, a few cake stands, some turntables and sparkly platters in neat formations exactly three centimetres away from the edge. Then he proceeded to fill these up with extraordinary delicacies. Pastry pie, pineapple chunks carved into the shape of pineapples, cupcakes with ceramic cats made out of marzipan on the top, pizzas the size of a pinhead, chocolate figures of Converse shoes, baked bean and tomato ketchup sandwiches on white bread in neat piles, cocktail sausages with ice cream on top, carrot and cucumber cubes, each exactly five centimetres cubed, mixed crisps all in the same bowl, red velvet cupcakes with yellow cream and blueberries on the top, and peanut and essence of dishwasher flavoured popcorn. If there was not enough bizarre food, Dave laid out some drinks as well. Orange juice mixed with red wine, a big bucket of combined teas, and, of course, lots of Blancapod petrifier. As just as the entertainer, Bill, arrived to set up his collapsible stage and microphone, Dave was putting out the box of things he needed for the games and laying out the party bags in the shape of a specific blade of grass on the lawn outside a nearby office called Leopold on his coffee table. Bill was wearing a sparkly red jacket with a plain red shirt and orange tie. He would sing and dance on his small stage for three quarters of the party. Dave stepped back to admire his work. 
It was perfect, apart from the fact that a cupcake needed to be moved a few centimetres to the left, then a bit to the right until Dave was satisfied. Then it was perfect, so Dave collapsed in a heap on his sofa. In a few hours, half past nine came. Dave jumped up, ready to welcome their guest, eagerly, guests eagerly anticipating the moment that they would arrive. With the elevator doors opened, they revealed everyone crammed inside. When it's, it was the specific, specific time, they all got stuck in the doorway as they tried to barge through. Form an orderly queue in the name of 43 yellow spiky pineapples, bellowed Dave, gesturing with his hand as the crowd shuffled into some kind of line. Give me the present before you come in, he yelled, waving his arms towards the party area. A random person who Dave didn't know, who had received their invitation because their house looked nice, stepped forward, got covered in streamers, and handed him a small package before walking over to the buffet table and greedily munching on some mixed crisps and a chocolate shoe. Dave checked the volume with a ruler before giving the all clear and turning his attention to the next person in the line. Delmira stepped forward next, carrying Arbuthnot, who was wearing a very snazzy tie. Atop her head was a huge parcel wrapped in green paper. Delmira handed Dave the huge parcel, which she put on the present table next to the tiny parcel. She walked elegantly over to the buffet, still carrying the weasel, taking a plate full of things for him too, and making polite small talk with the librarian. Next came Dave's brother Geoffrey, wearing his golf whites and a cap, having just come back from a match, plus a smug smile as he had got it into his head that he was better than Dave. Handed him a cylindrical parcel wrapped in plain white paper. Then... He took a green and blue sleeping bag out of a bag that he was carrying and put it on the floor, intending to sleep in it. He wouldn't get much sleep when Bill started singing. His mum stepped forward next, handed him a partial parcel shaped like an afro wig before poking Geoffrey rather viciously to wake him up. There were a few more random people from the library who all handed him fairly small packages and Barbara brought her dogs a bit later, giving him a long, thin parcel that was quite heavy, and parking, the correct technical term for putting a dog somewhere, as I'm sure you know, her dogs by the cocktail sausage pole. Within a few minutes, the party was underway. Bill was singing a loud, passionate and meaningful song about shoelace, as David instructed. Shoelace, shoelace, I am a shoelace, I tie stuff together, yay. This was another one of Dave's bizarre songs that he was hoping to publish soon on YouTube, along with a rap about tortillas. Tortillas, tortillas, you can put stuff in them. Boom. At the end of the music video, he was hoping to have some explosions and fireworks. There was a medic, who had had nothing else to do, do that afternoon, performing the ridiculous manoeuvre of Dave's invention on a random man from the library who had choked on some popcorn. Apart from him, everyone seemed to be enjoying the food. It was perfect. After 10 minutes, Dave decided that it was time for the first game. Time for a game! Stand in a circle! He shouted as the guests, including the dogs, shuffled into an oval. After checking that it was an exact circle with a protractor, Dave explained the rules. This amazingly fun game of my own invention is called Obtain the Pineapples by Jumping Up and Down on One Finger. So, 
Whoever wants to go first will wear a llama costume and stand on top of the piano. They will dance a foxtrot before throwing the apple to whoever wants to wear the turtle onesie. Then they will whack the person nearest to them with the rubber chicken. Meanwhile, everyone else will peel some, peel some tangerines and all throw the peelings at the person in the llama costume who will persuade the apple to marry them by standing on the head. Then we will have a short ceremony for the llama to marry the apple, which will just involve me saying that you are married. Then everyone will swap roles, explained Dave, Dave gesturing wildly. Then he threw the llama costume and turtle onesie forcefully at some people, despite promising that these roles were optional, and pushed the person with the llama costume onto the piano, handing the person with the turtle onesie a rubber chicken and the very handsome red apple that was going to potentially marry everyone. He dished out the tangerines to the rest of the confused people. Go! he yelled, and, looking blank, everyone started doing their parts half-heartedly. The person on top of the piano shuffled around, and the turtle person looked around, confused, wondering what to do. Yippee! What fun! yelled Dave, clapping his hands with glee as he peeled his tangerine, chucking the peelings at the person wearing the llama costume, who was shuffling around awkwardly in something that might have looked remotely like a foxtrot. The dogs and the weasels seemed to be having a great time trying to peel the tangerines with their noses. The person Whack the person nearest to you with the rubber chicken, instructed Dave, showering the llama with an avalanche of tangerine peelings. I thought I made that very clear. It's very obvious. The turtle then lightly tapped Delmira with the rubber chicken as she was the nearest. Great! Now stand on your head to persuade the apple to marry you, exclaimed Dave to the llama, who looked extremely confused and proceeded to put his head on the floor while raising his legs up into the air. Yay! You have persuaded the apple to marry you, bellowed Dave. You are married! Now swapped roles! So the ridiculous game that didn't even seem like a game went on for some time, until everyone, including the dogs, had a go at being the turtle or the llama or the tangerine peelers, and the apple was married to a lot of people. To everyone's great relief, Dave yelled, Right, let's play another game! This one was called Beatbox Over Dramatically, while throwing some absolute chicken nuggets at another thing and doing some extreme pineapple plies combined with grand whirly jumpy things. So, I have borrowed some tutus from my wardrobe, who has kindly let me borrow them. Thank you, wardrobe. You must choose one and then be equipped with a bowl of poppadoms. You will have three and a half minutes to prepare your song about a thing. While performing your song on top of the piano, you must throw the poppadoms at the shark model and do the fanciest ballet dance possible. Understand? Good, he explained, despite the fact that everyone looked like they had numerous questions. Putting the box of tutus in the middle of the circle and going to set up the shark model, everyone grabbed one of... Dave's brightly coloured tutus, yanking them on and walking off to prepare a song about a thing and fancy ballet dance, as Dave had instructed. First up was Delmira. She wore a green tutu and sang a song about a pack of cards. Ooh, hearts, spades, diamonds, clubs, queens, kings, queens, keens, jokers, a box, some cards, a pack of cards, it went, she sang, whilst doing some rather clumsy yet simply beautiful dancing and throwing the poppadoms at the shark model with amazing accuracy. Everyone clapped afterwards. Next came Barbara and her dogs. She wore a pink tutu and sang a song about the colour bright green as, and the dogs woofed along. 
She had ballet lessons when she was six, so she did a semi-impressive ballet dance from her scratchy memory of those long-ago lessons. The shark model was starting to get covered in poppadoms. After that came some random people from the library. The librarian sang a song about the fact that she didn't like it when people left their books on the floor for her to pick up. Oh, I hate it when people leave their books on the floor for me to pick up, she sang, with lots of overdramatic gestures, slightly forgetting that she needed to throw poppadoms at the shark model and eating the poppadoms instead between musical rants. Next came a man named Gareth, who sang a song about the best way to eat blue cheese. You have to extract the blue parts from the cheese using two pairs of silver tweezers before boiling it in marmite at 43 degrees Celsius, before covering the rest in strawberry jam and pom-pom, and then you need to combine them on top of a red coffee machine and down it in one gulp to get the best experience of the supreme cheesiness. Gareth was horrendous at dancing and had terrible aim, so more poppadoms ended up on the floor or in the audience or in the street below or in Sweden than on the shark model, but the song that would revolutionise cheese eating made up for it. He had spent hours performing complicated experiments, namely eating the cheese, to find the perfect cheese formula, which was why he was very fat. When everyone had finished their songs, Dave packed away the shark model and the poppadoms, asking for the tutus bag. Bill was sent away and the party continued for ten minutes more. After ten minutes, it was time to hand out the party bags. Each one contained a tiny tennis ball, a small wedge of blue cheese, Gareth was delighted as he could sing his song again so everyone knew how to eat it, a Davy Jones keyring, a Charlie and Lola ruler that only had three centimetres on it and a tiny version of a Satch revision book, the writing of which you could hardly read. The final thing Dave needed to do was hand out the cake that he had baked himself. He turned on the radio, playing some dramatic music as, de- as he marched out of the kitchen with his creation on the shiny plastic. The cake had three tiers, each decorated differently. The th- first tier was large. The first... Oh. To everyone's great relief, Dave yelled, Right, let's play another game. This one's called Beatbox Over Dramatically while throwing some absolute chicken nuggets at another thing and doing some extremely pineapple plios combined with grand twirly jumpy things. So, I have borrowed some to-dos from my wardrobe, who has kindly let me borrow them, thank you wardrobe. You must choose one and then be equipped with a bowl of poppadoms. You will have three and a half minutes to prepare your song about a thing. While performing your song on top of the piano, you must throw the poppadoms at the shark model and do the fanciest ballet dance possible. Understand? Good, he explained, despite everyone looking like they had numerous questions. Putting a box of tutus in the middle of the circle and going to set up the shark model, everyone grabbed one of Dave's brightly coloured tutus, yanking them on and walking off to prepare a song about a thing and a fancy ballet dance, as Dave had instructed. After about three and a half minutes, everyone was ready. They were ready to perform. Surprisingly, they were quite enthusiastic about this game, that the name did not suggest anything about at all. First up was Elmira. She wore a green tutu and sang a song about a pack of cards. Ooh, hearts, spades, diamonds, clubs, queens, kings, queens, keens, jokers, a box, some cards, a bag of cards, yeah, she sang, whilst doing some rather clumsy, that's simply beautiful, dancing, and throwing the poppadoms at the shark model with amazing accuracy. Everyone clapped afterwards. Next came Barbara and her dogs. She wore a pink tutu and sang a song about the colour bright green, and the dogs whiffed along. She had had ballet lessons when she was six, so Sid did a semi-impressive ballet dance from the scratchy memory of those long-ago lessons. The shark model was starting to get covered in poppadoms. 
After that came some random people from the library, the librarian singing a song about the fact that she didn't like it when people left their books on the floor for her to pick up. Oh, I hate it when people leave their books on the floor for me to pick up, she sang with lots of overdramatic gestures, slightly forgetting that she needed to throw the poppadoms at the shark model and eating the poppadoms instead between musical rants. Next came a man named Gareth, who sang a song about the best way to eat blue cheese. You have to extract blue parts from the cheese using two pairs of silver tweezers before boiling it in marmite at 43 degrees Celsius, before covering the rest in strawberry jam and a pom-pom, and then you have to combine them on top of the bread coffee machine and downing it in one gulp to get the best experience of the supreme cheesiness. Gareth was horrendous at dancing and had terrible aim, so more poppadoms ended up on the floor, or in the audience, or in the street below, or in Sweden, than on the shark model, but the song that would revolutionise cheese-eating made up for it. He had spent hours performing complicated experiments, namely eating the cheese, to find the perfect cheese formula, which was why he was very fat. When everyone had finished their songs, Dave packed away the shark model and the poppadoms, asking for the tutus back. Bill was sent away, and the party continued for ten minutes more. After ten minutes, it was time to hand out the party bags. Each one contained a tiny tennis ball, a small wedge of blue cheese. Gareth was, Gareth was delighted as he could sing his song again so everyone knew how to eat it. A Davy Jones keyring, a Charlie and Lola ruler that only had three centimetres on it, and a tiny reversion of a Sats revision book, the writing on which you could hardly read. The final thing that Dave needed to do was to hand out the cake that he had baked himself with compliments to Richard who would provide the hundreds of eggs required. He had turned on the radio playing some dramatic music as he marched out of the kitchen with his creation on the shiny platter. The cake had three tiers each decorated differently. The first tier was large, the second was tiny and the third was even bigger. The first layer was covered in thick layers of orange icing with pink meringues around the edge and strawberries on top at exactly 34 degrees angle. The second layer was decorated with mint and chocolate ice cream instead of icing. Isosceles triangles made of chocolate covered in baked beans were indented into the ice creamy, officially a word now, paste. Dave had also poured some sprinkles randomly around the base. The third layer had a cupcake in the middle covered in carrots and cucumber. There was a pile of fruit and some vegetables surrounding it, which Dave had spent almost an hour arranging. A marzipan toaster topped with, topped with poppadoms teetered agonisingly on the edge. So, who wants a slice? asked Dave, seeing the amazed faces that st stared at his cakey. That's officially a word too. I should start my own crea dictionary. Creation. Dave made the guests form an orderly queue and handed each of them a slice from their chosen layer, wrapped in a bag with a hand-drawn picture of a succulent in a green pot. After receiving their source of cakiness, each guest could leave. When everyone had left, Dave cleared up the remaining food with a cutting-edge technology hoover called his cake hole. He put the bunting and banners in a box. He could do something with them later. When his outside balcony area was clear, Dave collapsed on the orange sofa in a heap. The party had been successful. Now he could start to plan for next year. Before going to bed, Dave remembered that he needed to open his presents. So he got up in the middle of the night to do so. 
Grabbing his orange torch, Dave sat down at the present table. He received a large sombrero hat with pom-poms around the outside from Delmira, which he loved a lot and decided he would wear every other Tuesday. From Barbara, he got an orange colour stud collar studded with bells and a matching lead for Stuart, who was already in bed, but Dave would tell him later about his new fashion accessory, which he would presumably not be happy about. Then they would they would have to set up a catwalk in the living room to perform a fashion show, as was the proceedings whenever they got a new piece of clothing. From his brother, Dave received a green golf club and a few yellow golf balls. Dave wasn't that interested. He had played a golf game of golf with his brother before. He had just spent the entire time trying to cram himself into one of the holes, which he did not achieve, perhaps because he was wearing his largest rainbow-coloured wig. This made it extremely difficult to Geoffrey to get forget Geoffrey to get the hole in one he had hoped for. From the random people from the library, he received an assortment of random objects like jugs, candlesticks and a large box of parsnips that he that had been knocking around for ages in the staff room and they were relieved to get rid of. Finally, he received a huge new wig from his mother. It was pink and red and had bows around the rim. It was huge so he didn't have room for it in his drawer. Making a mental note to buy a head model to display the new attire, Dave went back to bed a happy man. The Curious Adventures of David Smith is written and narrated by Lois Mander. Subscribe on Anchor for more Curious Adventures, a regular bombardment of audible goodness every fortnight. Next episode, I don't know what will happen yet, but we will find out together.